Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Welcome into the United States Women's National Team Hour alongside former U.S. National Team midfielder Lori Lindsay. I am your host, Lisa Roman. You join us live on YouTube at youtube.com slash attacking third. Join in the conversation in the YouTube chat. And you can listen to all of the U.S. Women's National Team Hour shows on the Attacking Third podcast. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places that you are listening to your podcast. On today's episode, we are recapping the U.S.'s dominant 9-1 to victory over Uzbekistan. We're discussing the biggest things that we learned, and we're looking to head to match two for the USA versus Uzbekistan on Tuesday. Lori Lindsay, welcome in. How are you today? Yeah, great, Lise. How's it going? Good to see you as always. And um, thanks for chiming in. And, and Steve, I'm already like reading the comments, which is my favorite part. Uh, Steve, you rule as well. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh, we love the comments. Everyone, drop your comments and your questions in the chat for us. Uh, the chat, we want it to be very active. And we also want you guys to win. We have a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away during today's episode. All you have to do is drop your Instagram or Twitter handle without the at symbol. Don't include the at sign in the chat. And you have a chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus subscription. You can watch Syria, CONCACAF, Champions League, NWSL, all of it. So $100 Paramount Plus gift card, drop your handle in the chat. Uh, but we have a really a lot to chat about today, Lori. I know that you're doing good. I'm doing good too. A busy weekend. <laughs> We're right in the middle of these two April friendlies for the United States. They played on Saturday um, in Ohio, a nine to one victory. I'm going to run through the starting lineup because that's what we did a lot of our predictions on. We had yep. Alyssa Nair in goal, Kelly O'Hara, Abby Dahlkamper, Alana Cook, and Emily Fox across the back line. Andy Sullivan, Lindsey Horan, and Rose Lavelle in the midfield. I want to talk about that midfield trio. Mallory Pugh, Katarina Macario, and Sophia Smith up front for Vlako Andonovsky in this opening match against Uzbekistan. Five starters under the age of 25 and Alyssa Nair in goal, getting her mm -hmm. 80th cap. Lori, when this starting lineup came out, when we saw the first 45 minutes with this, what were you thinking? What were your initial impressions of, of this crew and the first 45 minutes, really? 
Yeah, not totally surprising. I mean, when I look back at what I had last week for the starting lineup in that first game that I won, at least, um, only two differences in, in that starting lineup. Um, I had Huerta on the right back, but Kelly O'Hara obviously captaining the team for this game. And then I had actually Sanchez in there with Sullivan and Haran, but obviously we saw um, Rose mm-hmm. and everybody else across the board. So, um, you know, not not much difference um, than what we kind of expected, especially in this first game and kind of the patterns that we've seen from Vlatko when he rolls out a team that he kind of thinks is like, all right, this is the group that I feel like is in, has been in best form um, with club coming into uh, these international windows. And so, uh, you know, good performance. I think early on, everyone was like, ah, are we going to get a goal? You know, is this going to be a little bit of some glimpses of um, what it looked like? somewhat in the she believes cup but um mm-hmm. you know i will say naive i i thought uzbekistan was going to sit back more than they did and i almost thought they were playing this high line in like a bit of a in a naive way but you know what i totally support it i mean they don't care if i support them i'm sure but <laughs> i do in the fact that i think these teams are coming in now and playing the u.s in a way that's like they're looking at is okay we're not just going to sit back if how are we going to learn about ourselves right yes we might take a beating especially when you look at the three that played for this u.s team up top um but it played right into the hands of the u.s obviously with so much space in behind the back line and as the game wore on i mean that just opened up right um but credit to them i think uzbekistan they came out they fought hard we knew that um but just left themselves exposed I think outside of your question of what this looked like for a 45, a, a really solid performance, right, from the U.S. Right. Um, I'll be curious what the lineup um, looks like going into tomorrow's game and also how, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as we go on, but Uzbekistan sets up because I'm not so sure with such a quick turnaround they're going to be able to not somewhat sit back, right? I think there's they're going to have to kind of adjust in between how they played on Saturday and how they play tomorrow. I agree with you completely about how, I mean, we talked about it in the preview of this uh, two friendlies in April for this U.S. team. And really looking at Uzbekistan, we talked so much about a low block. And that's how we've seen teams play against the United States because they just want to try to keep them out of their box. And we did not see that from Uzbekistan. And I think that almost surprised the United States, at least for the first 25 minutes or so, uh, Mm -hmm. because it was almost like this is a different game plan than what we were maybe initially talking about heading into this because a team that's playing a high line versus playing a low defensive block, that's a different game plan. It's different, Mm -hmm. um, holes that you can pop into as players but ultimately nine to one in this match we had goals from Andy Sullivan Mallory Pugh Sophia Smith Katarina Macario Jalen Howell Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez so Howell and Sanchez both getting their first senior team goals seven of these nine goals were from players age 25 and under um This was a lot. We saw so many good things, but I want to talk about those first 25 minutes because we didn't get a first goal from the United States until 26 minutes in Andy Sullivan. um, And then after that opening goal in the 26 minutes over the next nine minutes, there was four goals (laughs) scored by this U S team. Sophia Smith ultimately getting a hat trick, but two of those goals coming from her Mallory Pugh notching another one all before halftime in that nine minute span. When, you looked at these first 25 minutes of, of this team. There were a few shots off the crossbar early on in this, in this game, about three or so minutes in. Um, was it, 
what were you missing from this this front line? Let's let's look at specifically. Was it getting time for them together on the pitch? Was it connecting with that midfield unit, or was it really just feeling out Uzbekistan in this first twenty five minutes? I mean, if you break the first half into two halves, what do you see from the first half of that first half? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there was anything that's like was glaring, right? I think the thing that we have to remember is again this this team and um, is is young in terms of international team experience, right? So um, or just international experience, and also there are World Cup qualifiers coming up, and these are the chances yeah. for these players to really make a statement. I mean, there's all this conversation around like these veteran players. So the first time in many years that there's been like quite a few wide open spots available, and so anytime you come in, there's a lot of these young players that are like hungry to score goals, to compete at this level and, and make a statement. And I think sometimes that's what you get into um, early on is that people want to go, right? They want to go to goal. That is what the U.S. is about. We want to score goals. We want to score early. We want to score often. And sometimes, you know, at the beginning of games, you're just trying to settle in. And there could have easily been some goals way earlier than we saw. And they just didn't fall the way that the U.S. wanted or each individual player. Mm -hmm. So I think, and, and to your point a little bit ago as well, I think at first there was the um, Uzbekistan was pinned in a little bit from the U.S., so there wasn't as much space um, to occupy in behind as we saw when um, Uzbekistan was able to get out of their own box. Then we saw them step up and have a higher line, and that's when space opened up in behind. That you know obviously suits the U.S. in that front three that we saw of Smith, Pugh, and Macario really well. So. You know, nothing alarming. I think this is this is a team that's just, you know, feeling out games coming in, don't play a ton of minutes together outside of what we saw in the She Believes Cup. So um, and then the floodgates open, right? You get one. Oh yeah. Um so but what I did see is players that were fired up, right? And want to build yeah. confidence and got minutes in the She Believes, took that back with their club teams, have performed well. Um, with their individual um, teams and then now have showed up and come in and they're like hungry and want to. And we're seeing a lot of players that are playing high level. I mean, that front line of Bacario, Pugh, and Smith, oh, we yeah. could just spend an hour talking about them <laughs> and how dynamic they were, right? Like regardless yes, we, of the team you're playing against, that is a potent front line and um, it shouldn't be understated. I want to talk about this front line. How can we not talk about it? We're not going to spend the yeah. whole hour diving in on these front three, but the front three that did earn the start in Sophie Smith, Mallory Pugh, and Katarina Macario. We had Macario in that central forward role. She wasn't really a false nine. She was playing a lot higher than we have seen her play in the She Believes Cup. She dropped back a lot more during the She Believes Cup, but now Macario in that first match for the U.S. was pressed really high. She almost played pretty similarly to how Ashley Hatch plays when she's in that role stretching back lines and when you have two players alongside of you and Pew and Smith that are so quick and love to run at back lines and want to make those darting runs inside check back and receive the ball at their feet and they're so lethal whipping crosses into the box it's interesting that Macario did play so high mm -hmm. which actually opened up so much space in the midfield for Rose Lavelle Lindsay Horan and Andy Sullivan but when you look at this front three uh, this is a front three that you wanted to start in when you look at these matches. Uh, so maybe Blacko Andonofsky is listening to our U.S. Women's National Team Hour. I <laughs> he better so. be. Hey, Blacko. I mean, come on. Hey, Blacko, how's it going? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when you, when you look at this front three, did you see what you wanted to see from them? What more did you want if you didn't? 
Well, I, you know, um, I, I think what I look at is the sophistication coming in because mm -hmm. like against Uzbekistan, you expect to see a ton of um, opportunities on goal. And then when you look at like the caliber around the world outside of that, um, you might not get that many opportunities. So the the final pass, the the finishing of of that are, are still things that we're gonna gonna always be a work in progress, especially when you have a young team. And I and I like that um, uh, Nate Santi, I think it is in the comments, did say about the final pass because that was going to be my next point on all of this is regardless of how dynamic they were, um, that final pass was missing early on in the game. However even though it was missing, it did put Uzbekistan under a ton of pressure that resulted mm -hmm. in a lot of set pieces. And where did the first goal come from? Andy Sullivan off a set piece. So there's so many opportunities here for the U.S. I think um, when I to answer your, your question specifically, it would be a little bit more sophistication, picking out the player, finding that extra pass in balance with wanting to go, wanting to attack with some pace, right? Because that, that is a tough thing. If you're trying to put teams under pressure, you want to score early, you want to get them on their back heels, it's a fine line between finding the, the most perfect pass. Um, but that does come down to partnerships that we've talked about, whether it's the outside, um, the winger oh, or yeah. the outside back it, or the central midfielders too, right? So, um, but a ton of set pieces and it did result in a couple early goals. Um for the U.S. Yep. from set pieces. Yes, that's the opening goal. That's how it happened. They had so many chances on set pieces, corner kicks mainly. Uh, not a lot of fouls happening throughout this match um, in favor of the United States, but lo a lot of corner kicks, set pieces, mm -hmm. which is something that this team has focused on. And when you looked at the starting lineup, the aerial presence, not necessarily there for set piece opportunities. So Lindsey Horan probably being the player to win the most balls out of the air. I think Alana Cook was making those every single time on the corner kick, something that she does for club in OL rain. Um, but it's a different look when we have a United States team set, getting so many corner kick opportunities and not being the most threatening team in the air on those. So we talked about the front three a little bit and you just touched on it, Lori, those vertical lines and playing in that type of partnership. But coach Lago and he touched on those lines. If the outside backs in, in Kelly O'Hara can connect with the midfield in Haran and Rose Lavelle and then up front with with Sophia Smith. Um, those are partnerships that Antonovsky was looking for in this match. Mm -hmm. And preview of these, one of the things you touched on that you wanted to see is how those vertical lines and those vertical channels looked between a Sophia Smith and a Kelly O'Hara in behind her and an Emily Fox on the left side with a Mallory Pugh up front. And were they stacked together or were they creating more separation, which allowed for different channels and different angles in behind them? And then Actually, we saw switch Pew and Smith switching up top. I like mm -hmm. to see that versatility as well. I think that between O'Hara and Smith, there was a little bit more cohesion than there was between Emily Fox and Pew on, on the left side of the flank, especially in that first half. But did you notice those lines uh, of telling where the space was going to be, especially opening up the space in the midfield for the U.S.? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good game for the U.S. overall. Um, and when, when we talk about those partnerships that you just mentioned on, yes, a lot more of the play. I would like to see a bit of a heat map um, 
of what it looked like in terms, because the right-hand side definitely had the majority of the possession throughout that first half, to your point. So I think mm-hmm. we typically saw Smith getting isolated, taking on 1v1, earning a lot of those set pieces or corner kicks. Um but one of the, you know, and slightly different the way that Kelly O'Hara and Emily Fox play. I mean, Emily Fox, we saw at one point in time, was on that front line that opened up space um, to lead to one of the goals. So, uh, you know, it, it looks a little bit different. However, I still think, you know, it, it's kind of a predictable situation in the fact that, um, you know, this game worked to the advantage of the U.S. with how much space there was. I think when we typically have questions about the partnerships and what it looks like is when there isn't as much space, right? We saw a Rose Lavelle who was on the right side with a Kelly O'Hara and Sophia Smith. She she'll float out wide and pick up the ball um, quite wide. However, when you do have a team that is going to sit back, what does that look like? Is Kelly O'Hara going, or um, is she going to pinch in? Is Sophia Smith going to pinch in? Because then that's when the the questions start to um, be asked about the positioning of all the players, because is Rose occupying space of Sophia Smith or Kelly O'Hara? That's easy to defend. However, those questions weren't really asked in this game because of how Uzbekistan set up defensively. So that's where I, I question about going forward on tomorrow night's game. What does that look like? Because if they do sit back, then we are going to have to. And I think that's something we will see um, in World Cup qualifiers. Teams aren't just going to necessarily right. all park the bus, right? But they will sit no. back. You're qualifying for a World Cup. You're doing whatever you can. It looks very different than an international friendly, right, Lisa? So, um, yeah. I think that <laughs> those are the questions I have still that weren't completely answered in this game, mm-hmm. but there was some good um, positional play, I think good fluidity through periods of this game. So one thing I really want to chat about is the goal for Uzbekistan. Uh, This was 7-0 game happening um, in the 70th minute or so. Uzbekistan wins a corner kick and they get on the board. 7-1, to it ends the United States two-year home shutout streak. Um, This was in on Alyssa Nair, so no clean sheet for her in this match. After the game, Vlad Kondinovsky and his media availability said that he was happy that this happened. He wanted this goal to happen uh, heading into World Cup qualifiers. This is what they needed. It's almost a reset button for this team. And then how do you respond after the goal? When a team, I mean, there are so many different parts of this that I want to pick apart. The corner kick, how it happened, the defending of the set pieces for the United States to score so many goals on set pieces and then to concede one on a set piece as well. Also, being up seven goals, you lose your focus a little bit. You lose your intensity. It's not get the ball and go to goal every single time. Your your mindset changes a little, especially when you have a lot of younger players in the mix. Watching this game and seeing the goal, what was your initial reaction to see that? What were your thoughts about this goal? Uh, I think uh, my initial reactions are that soccer and there's fine margins, right? Yeah. And it was, yeah. I thought, a hell of a, a free kick, like a corner kick, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great ball served in that was flicked on. Um and um, then I'll ultimately, as we know, put away. Um, however, I think that that's the, you know, those are the more interesting questions to me. And this is the smallest little piece of the puzzle. However, when you think, and we were talking off air before this about the all the conversation around the veteran players and that kind of stuff. However, if you spin it, it's these things are going to happen in World Cup qualifying, right? Because that is the next mm-hmm. most important. Yes, you have the um, June window, but the next most important is World Cup qualifying. World Cup qualifying, excuse me. And it's challenging. 
It is challenging. Right. There's it's going to be hot. There's going to be a lot of games, and there has to be a couple of voices that are saying it does not matter, like what the goal, the score is, um, um, whatever. It's the finest little details. And so I'm more curious about who is that vocal voice right now. Of course, you have a listener, right? Um, but an Abby Dahlkemper, um, who would be in Kelly O'Hara, who is the captain, those three you would assume would be the voice. Um, but somebody has to be whatever it takes, we do not get scored on. And those are just kind of like the moments in the game that um, you can't have lapses because let's just say it's not 7-0, right? Which is possible. Right. You have a, right. a young team, a team maybe that s- sits back, um, the team starting to get frustrated, can't score goals like we saw in the first uh, 25 minutes. Um, it's not going your way. And then what? You concede a corner and they score. So it's made up. The game is made up of these small little moments, and I like Vlaco's um, response. It doesn't surprise me at all, and I think the players in general will be fired up. And it's also a great learning experience for these because I talk about this a lot, and I mean it so seriously. The difference between club and international play; those are the moments because regardless of who you're playing against, they will punish you. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen in club; it's just different, and it is more on the line when you're talking about qualifying or winning a gold medal or whatever, right? And so you have to be ready, and that's why these games are so invaluable for these young players and teachable moments for them as well. Huge! These moments are huge because it, we got to see how the United States team reacted when this goal went in, and how they responded after it happened. Even if you watch rewatch this match, ten minutes leading up to that seventy minute goal from Uzbekistan. Um, there was a shift, even if you look five minutes before that goal, because that's when uh, Uzbekistan really was putting a lot of pressure on the United mm-hmm. States backline. I mean, more pressure than they had throughout the entirety of the game. And they mm-hmm. continued to be patient and work the ball down the field. And they had a set piece opportunity, a free kick on the corner of the 18. And then the United States can't clear it ultimately. And it ends up being a corner kick. And that's where the goal ultimately comes from. But so it's all these little learning moments. And yes, it's just one small moment in a game, but that's a moment that an opponent found a crack in the United States defensive abilities on that set piece. And it was a great goal. It was a great goal. It was was, really good ball played in and really good positioning by the Uzbekistan forward to knee this right into the top of the net. Essentially she Mm -hmm. need it directly up Um, because of that. It exposes a little bit of organization that needs to maybe change on corner kicks and having a listener in goal. And it wasn't someone like an Aubrey Kingsbury or Bella Bigsby that have zero caps. This was her 80th cap. And I think that reflects a little bit on the organization of that back line, but One thing it does also reflect on is that center back pairing that we have in that back line. And this is something that off air we had said we really want to talk about. And I'm moving it up to right now in this conversation because looking at the center backs for the United States, we had starting in this match, it was Abby Dahlkemper and Alana Cook. Abby Dahlkemper Mm -hmm. has been a namesay in that back line. She's played alongside Becky Sauron for a number of matches. And Alana Cook has worked her way into that back line as well. Oftentimes we saw Alana Cook playing alongside Tierna Davidson, who not called into this camp, um, Mm -hmm. is out injured with a knee injury. And there's a 
a number of question marks across this back line, but specifically looking at the center back pairing between Abby Dahlkamper and Alana Cook. Naomi Gurma also called into this camp that I think we could see coming up tomorrow on Tuesday for their match, but no Becky Sauerbrunn, no Tierna Davidson, uh, Crystal Dunn also not called in along this back line. So between Dahlkamper and Alana Cook, um, they weren't tested that frequently and that consistently throughout this first match for the United States. But did you like that pairing between those two? Did you, what did you see from those two? Yeah, I do. I mean, as you said it, there wasn't a lot for them to do defensively, let's say. Right. Um, but I think we all know essentially what Abby Dahlkemper um, can do, right? She's played many games there, particularly with Becky Sauerbrunn, but I was, I've been, um, I was and have been really, um, you know, impressed with Alana Cook. I think with O.L. Rain, her continue to have the consistency back there. Mm-hmm. We saw her score a goal um, a few weeks back uh, against Angel City, a great goal um, heading a header. Um, and then her ability to play out. There's a simplicity, and I don't mean that in a negative way. In fact, I mean that in like such like a praise. There's a simplicity on how she wants to play, on um, finding interior passes into our midfielders, but also having the range. And then I think just next level when it came to her to assist, obviously with the first goal with Andy Sullivan and then one Jalen Howe of just being able to knock it back down, not trying to do too much, not trying to score from difficult angles herself, just knocking it back into the mix. And that can be overstated in the fact that like those, much like we were talking about for the Uzbekistan goal, that there's just such a simplicity into understanding who's going to have a better opportunity. And I think they were fantastic assists. So when you think about a modern day center back, Alana Cook is 100% in that conversation, in my opinion, in terms of being able to set play that we talk about, like a number six does a holding midfielder, but then also being able to join into the attack and, and, um, and then when you think about set pieces and not having, you know, the, the biggest of players in terms of the aerial battle, Alana Cook is 100% in that conversation in terms of one of the better ones, if not one of the best on this national team currently. So in terms of the partnership, um, not much testing, but um, who I wanted to see in this first game. And um, I thought they did well. Yeah, you did want to see uh, Abby Dahlkemper and Alana yeah. Cook. I, I might switch see- now that I think about Lee. So I have Dahlkemper and Germa for the next match because of their San Diego. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm kind of <laughs> thinking like, you know, I, I scratched out Del Kemper. I, I, I enjoy Del Kemper back there, but I, I actually would like to see um, Cook and Gurma because I would like to see Cook with somebody um, that maybe has a little bit less experience than her and see yeah. how she steps up um, um, in that role. Yes, I I think that's a good uh, kind of shift to make. And we are going to talk about what we want to see on Tuesday from the United States team. But when you look at Abby Dahlkamper specifically as a player, this is a player that has had some inconsistencies at the center back role for club uh, or excuse me, for country exclusively. When you look at her Olympics run in Tokyo, uh, there were some question marks in, mm-hmm. in this decisions that she was making and balls that she was playing. And of course, going next to someone like Becky Sauerbrunn, who is 
a tremendous defender in, in Sauerbronn. She is so good at 1v1 defending. She's even good out of the air with aerial balls, even though she's not the tallest player on the pitch. And she's so good with her vision and breaking lines with her passes. She has a really good decision-making in Becky Sauerbronn. Now, when you look at a player like Abby Dahlkamper, she really needs to step up and be that veteran without Sauerbronn here. Be that player that can break lines, can dribble with the ball, can be really smart decision-making when she gets the ball and also help reset, as you mentioned, in the attack for this team when they are playing against a team in a lower back. Can she... Can Doll Camper receive the ball from one side, spring it out? Can she organize a little bit quicker in that back line? Um, when you look at Abby Doll Camper specifically, do you think there's a difference when she plays along Fox that we saw for most of this match, this first match? But then Fox got subbed out, where to came in, and Kelly O'Hara switched to the left side. Do you see a difference between Doll Camper playing alongside Fox or O'Hara in that back line? Mm, well, I don't know, because I think typically we see Dahl Kemper on the right side, right? And we yeah. saw Cook on the right side. So I think it's that that's more the question mark, not really who she's okay. playing against or, or with. It'd be more how she's comfortable, because we also see her with San Diego Wave um, with um, on the right side with Gurma on the left in that center back position. Yes. So I'm curious, because that does change, right? That that change how you mm -hmm. play, the, the terms of your angles, how you open up. Um and there's no doubt. I, I wouldn't say that I have any question marks. I'd be more curious about uh, Dulkeeper's state of mind right now. I mean, she's had battled through mm -hmm. some injuries. Um, went from North Carolina, was in Man City last year, right? Then went to Houston for a little bit. Then got, I think it was the back injury leading into this season and now getting back right. into the mix. So my question's more with Dulkeeper, not her capabilities. The question is be like her capabilities in terms of leading, as you mentioned, uh, with mm -hmm. somebody who has less experience. Mm -hmm. So um, what does this season look like with her and um, Gurma um, consistently, right? And then with the, with the national team, with Cook, um, especially with Tierna being out and, and Becky still making her way back. Um, so that would be the question. And then just also where she is a little bit mentally wise, um, finding right. her form again, because I'm not quite sure she is – it's not that she's not a hundred percent. It's just um, totally in that flow of of a hundred percent in the games. I guess um, just getting games into her belt is is more of my question. Yeah, I think those are all really valid points and having depth at the back line for Vlakovanovsky, but specifically at that center back position, it's difficult to do when you're playing against opponents that aren't necessarily attacking you that much. You're not being tested that mm -hmm. consistently across the back line in order to get depth in those positions. We are seeing Gurma being called into this camp. I think that's a huge step in the right direction for Vlakovanovsky to get her experience, even in the camp, in training, to be along side Dahl Camper and Cook. Um, it, it's difficult to have them be so assessed in these matches just because there isn't a lot of pressure coming at that back line. Uh, yeah. So we talked about the back line. We talked about um, the front three. I really want to dive into the sixth position that we have. We're going to talk about Andy Sullivan, Jalen Howe, and that defensive midfield, as well as what we want to see on Tuesday from the United States in their second match against Uzbekistan. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. 
It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the United States Women's National Team Hour. We are diving into the first match for the U.S. against Uzbekistan, what we saw from player rotation. And now I want to look at this midfield, dive into what we saw. The starting three in the midfield for Black Wendonofsky in this first match was Rose Lavelle, Lindsey Horan, and Andy Sullivan. Andy Sullivan sitting in that sixth position, a player that you had starting, Lori, I had starting in that midfield. We spoke with former national team goalkeeper Jill Lloyden. She also had Sullivan starting in that defensive midfield position. So it's no start. It's no surprise, excuse me, that Andy Sullivan got the start in that role. But Lori, you really wanted to see what Andy Sullivan could bring, how she could be that pivot player for this team and really control the midfield. Now she was paired up with Lindsay Horan and Rose Lavelle, two players that also have a lot of experience in the midfield for their country. But from Andy Sullivan and that midfield unit, what did you see from them? Yeah, well, this is my favorite, I think, out of all of the conversations right now around this team. This is my favorite one because I think this position is the most wide open, and it's why we've talked about it. And, you know, knowing how Andy Sullivan plays and and what she's capable of, I thought it was a good performance. I think it was a a really good goal. Um, Obviously, she can also be a threat on set pieces, whether it's off the initial ball or just, um, you know, rerouting her run and, and, and framing the goal like she did off the Alana cook assist. Um, however, I still, you know, maybe this is me being naive and, um, really kind of like envisioning how I would like to see some of the play from the U S but I'm still wanting to see somebody that really kind of wants to take this, the game and the team, um, in their own hands in that position in terms of like, all right, get the ball off the, um, you know, the back line turn, just link play, whether it's like shorter passes, get it back, switch the point, because I still feel like there's other ways um, that this U S can attack, especially Mm -hmm. when we see different opponents throw at them. So I thought it was a a really solid performance by Andy. And I still think that there is another level. Um, You know, one thing that I think is interesting and, and we mentioned it last week, um, also is not necessarily changing the formation because I don't really see Vlatko doing that, um, at least right now. Um, but it was mentioned with Ali and JP on the broadcast um, right. about, you know, maybe playing with two holding sixes. Um, you know, I think that's interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily, I think that you can do that now right? With the players, it just, it requires a little bit of nuance and a shifting of players' roles. So, you know, I, I was thinking about it in terms of, who, okay, yeah, who would, would you, you want to see? Well, in that pit, because pit. the two players that we think in that position right now are Jalen Howell and um, Andy Sullivan. And the only reason 
I don't necessarily know if I would play them together. However, yeah. the only reason why I would is because I personally think that Andy is more of a true number eight, a box to box in between, because she has a, a lot of attacking abilities and a final pass um, that is not showcased a ton. Um, right. We see it some, but not all the time with the Washington Spirit. And that's just her role, right? It's just a little bit of a different role. They utilize her and need her. Um, her positional and expertise in different ways. Um, however, we have seen her join the attack and there's a final pass that she has. She has the ability to shoot from distance. Um, so I'm not sure I'd play those two, but I would, I mean, listen, in a perfect world, I would love to see Sam Mewis. And I said it before about like a 2019 yeah. World Cup Sam Mewis. Yes, I understand that there's like a different love, you know, she's had some injuries and stuff, but she did play that number eight and it would just require right. her to drop back and have uh, more specific defensive responsibility next to like, let's say an Andy. Um, because I do think Andy is further along than Jalen Howell right now. Um, that's not taking away from Howell's abilities. I think they're very different players. And um, I think Jalen Howell is still getting used to, I mean, she's a rookie, right? Rookie in the right. league, yeah. um, minimal caps with the national team. And to play in that lone role, is a big responsibility. So that's why we're having the conversation, right? Because Julie Ertz occupied it in a way that you don't see a lot of players occupy it, right? She was going to, you know, I didn't, let's just say, I didn't want to go against her. I was like, you're going <laughs> to take my legs. So no, thank you. However, Andy Sullivan brings something different than Julie Ertz, but that does require some different positional play and understanding um, amongst other other players. And exactly, know it does. On, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, oh, Flory, continue. Okay. I was going to say, because I, you know, I think about you. this a lot when we are missed the, when we miss the number six a lot, right? Which was mm -hmm. against Sweden in the Olympics. And Lindsay Horan had to play in that position. And um, Aslani from Sweden did a really good job. So then who are you playing? Because we know that Rose is like a, one of the best dribblers out of the midfield in the world. But that looks like, do you play her in a game of that when Sweden's set up that way? Because you need somebody else that's going to drop back and help set play, help give cover to the back line. So I don't necessarily think it's a difference in the way that you set up, um, but I think it does require some different specific roles for players. I should say it does and not having Sam Mewis in the midfield and, and not being called into this camp Well, she called in initially, but dealing with some injuries. So not being present for this camp and these matches, it changes the way the midfield looks. And now that black one is having Katarina Macario playing higher in that front line, which I think she should stay there. She does a tremendous job mm -hmm. in that front line, but it changes things in the midfield. When we look at, at three that he has and, and whether it's a pivot, a double pivot with two, two sixes in the back. We've mm -hmm. seen Lindsay Horan play that role. I yep. like her much higher up the field. She's not as effective when she's playing that six role. As you just mentioned versus Sweden, it was lacking. There was a big gaping hole there when mm -hmm. she was playing that role. But I agree. I don't think Andy Sullivan has taken that position and said, it's mine. No one take it from me. Like a little mm -hmm. toddler with a toy. That's what yeah. I want her to do. Solidify herself so well in that role that if when Julie Ertz decides she wants to come back um, after her pregnancy, that it's a battle between those two. Because right now, if Julie Ertz were to come back for the June camp, it would be Julie Ertz's role. Just, of course, mm -hmm. depending on her health and her status and even if she wants to come back. But 
Andy Sullivan hasn't necessarily taken ownership of that six role. When mm-hmm. you look at uh, Jalen Howell get, got the second half. So Andy Sullivan and Howell split in that first game, 45 minutes each apiece. Uh, both actually scored a goal in this match. Jalen Howell's first senior team goal. So that was really exciting for her. You could just see the joy on her face. But another <laughs> player that wasn't called into this, uh, that actually TJ Trex, who's joining our chat again this time, mentioned Morgan Gattrall, a player that, yeah doesn't necessarily play that defensive role as well. She does push a little bit higher, but could we see potentially her being called back in? Even looking at the June camps, of course, this is a long ways away. But when you focus in on that midfield unit and and the trio in that middle of the field for the United States, and specifically looking at the sixth role, Andy Sullivan, Morgan Gattrall, in that pivot position, like that could be different. Could we see, I know you mentioned Black Bananowski, most likely not but three in the back, dropping Andy Sullivan even a little deeper or, or even Jalen Howell trying to be that three center back, then allowing the outside backs to get forward so much more and more of a three five in that back line and midfield. Mm-hmm. Are these possible options? Have you thought about this at all? I know that it's most likely unlikely, but it's fun to chat about. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, listen, I think that the beauty of um, the league continuing to grow and continuing to evolve is that um, somebody like Morgan Gutrell's career is revitalized, right? We saw her mm-hmm. an important role in the 2015 World Cup and then kind of fall off the scene and get herself healthy again. I mean, battling through a little bit the early stages of this of this Challenge Cup, but now back. And I think that's one of the reasons why she wasn't called in. I think if she was playing consistently, um, right. she has she has been doing really well for Chicago. And one of the reasons why I felt like they made it to the final, right, of last year's um, mm-hmm the NWSL championship. Um, you know, I, I, it all comes down to performances. So all of these players have the ability, Morgan Gattrall, first, um, for instance, has the experience. It just depends on how you're performing, staying healthy. And I think a lot of that will be, um, some of those decisions will be made for Blacko, right? Because the game's in the challenge, yeah. or excuse me, in the NWSL are challenging. And we've already seen a few players um, who are important to this team out. Lynn Williams, Sam Mewis right now. Um, so, you know, and the countless other ones, Tierna Davidson and all the other players, that, veterans that we're seeing come back. But yes, I think that it is wide open right? For a lot of these positions in some ways, um, it's just going to be about performance and consistency with the club, especially with this U.S. team. And I think I mentioned it last time, at least, because what is interesting mm-hmm. about this and why we're able to have these conversations is because with how pay is being structure, structured, structured now um, and, and not overseeing with U.S. soccer and, you know, gone really are the days where you go in like, what seemed like three months before like a world cup. Right. So the way that to black go to, um, to see how these players are performing is through their club. You know, it's just, you don't have as much time anymore. And it's typical with like, what's been the deal around the world on both the men's and women's sides. So, um, you have to be able to play with whoever you have to be able to adapt to the different systems, but mostly perform, which is a lot. I mean, when it comes it, down to it, that's what you get paid for, but it is <laughs> to be consistent for 11 months. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not in your job. That's what you're getting yeah. paid for. But seeing the rotation in the NWSL too, the, the 2021 off season before this 2022 challenge mm-hmm. cup started, there was so much player movement with 
I think Vlako Andonofsky was a little bit excited about because it tests how Christy Mewis is now going to play at Gotham, not at Houston anymore, around players that she is really comfortable with, but now going to Gotham and playing with a new rotation of players, a different style of play in that midfield. Um, I want to stick with this midfield unit a little bit more because we saw player rotation throughout this match. Um, of course, Jalen Howell coming in at the midfield. Also, Christy Mewis checking in for Lindsey Horan that then stayed on with Rose Lavelle. Um, these different player rotations is definitely something I wanted to see. Ultimately, Ashley Sanchez then does come on for Rose Lavelle. But throughout this 90 minutes, there was different player rotation, but the midfield unit being mm -hmm. substituted first in this match. Um, yeah. And having Hal and Mewis coming in, was that what you were expecting to see at the 45 minute at the halftime mark with those rotations starting in the midfield? Well, I have to admit that I was a little bit surprised that um, Howell did come in at the 45th minute for Andy. I mm -hmm. just expected a little bit, at least maybe the 60 minute mark, but I think that proves and speaks to exactly what we're talking about, that position being wide open. And then I do believe, and this hasn't been confirmed, it's just my own um, opinion, but, or thoughts. We love um, it. <laughs> but I think that Lindsay Horan is probably uh, battling still a little bit of a knee injury. We've seen that yeah. uh, her, it wrapped, right? And so um, I think it was minutes, mi managing of minutes for Lindsay Horan um, and hoping that they'll get time for her in this next game as well. Um, so I think that was the reason behind that. Um, However, I mean, even though the sixth position doesn't seem like there's like a ton of depth right there or it's still wide open, I mean, when you look at the attacking midfield positions, like, take your pick. Like, I mean, I was hoping last, you know, for this first game, it was the Haran, Sullivan, and Sanchez combination. Um, and then for the second game, I was, I'm still hoping that Sullivan will get the start because I would like to see her in these back-to-back mm -hmm. -back games. And then I had Mewis and Lavelle. But since we did see Lavelle, um, I would be curious now to see, I would swap maybe Rose in for Sanchez and get Sanchez some more minutes from the beginning. And then that, because, you know, a lot of times with Christy Mewis, one of the reasons why she got herself back, at, listen, Christy Mewis used to come in with national team camps when I was playing, like she was like, oh, I want to say 13. She wasn't, but you know, she might as well. Have been. Um, and um, yourself, Lori, you are not that old. You're not yeah. that far. Removed. I mean, but the point is, Christy Mewis has been in these camps for, forever yeah. for a long yeah. time and then, and then she wasn't there was a five-year hiatus where she wasn't called in dealing with injury kind of getting back into form mm -hmm. exactly and the reason why she's back in is because she was dominant with Houston right she was such an impact mm -hmm. player for them and I th personally think Christy Mewis is best in more of that eight role as well I mean she can drop deep and play balls over the top we saw a few of those in this game with Uzbekistan and she did it quite a bit in the midfield for Houston Dash when she was playing um, at her best. Now, I think, you know, switching teams with Gotham and, and her coming through a few different injuries early on, too, in the Challenge Cup, just working her way back into more consistent playing time, can she continue to produce that way? But I have her in that starting lineup tomorrow along with Sanchez and Sullivan because I do think she can be that two-way player that we've talked about, which mm -hmm. um, could drop a little bit deeper and um, 
sit next to, not necessarily sit next to Sullivan, but, you know, play off of her and play some um, different types of balls from a deeper position that then allows Sanchez to have more of that little combination play with Macario and them being a little bit more yes. interchange. So I, that's what I would like to see. I think that's when I, when I think about balance in the midfield, that's, I also, um, I think those three would be interesting. So yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I want to see Sanchez in there with Rose too. I don't, I want to see what that can provide and, and what yeah. that can do. Um, I like that I shout. I think that's interesting. I haven't really yeah. thought about that. Um, but goodness, like that's They're the last thing you would want least people running at that, back, <laughs> the two of them running at the back line. <laughs> and it's the last thing that opponents would want. I think it would expose the midfield a lot. So, but against mm -hmm. a team like Uzbekistan, that isn't causing that much of a threat in the midfield. That's uh, they didn't nominate the midfield against the United States. That could be pretty fun, very yeah. dangerous. But then you also have to have that conversation with the front line between, it, say it is Smith, Pugh, and Macario again up front, how they're going to react when you have Lavelle and Sanchez just streaking down and it's really five in that front line. Um, we yeah. might almost lose midfield in that sense. Yeah. And it also depends on, too, I think, yes, great point about how the opponent is set up. And then also, because that's what makes Rose so special, right? It's where she's right. able to pick up the ball and start running at the opposition. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that combination a lot. And it also just depends on um, how you structure the defense behind so that, you know, if you're a pressing team like the United States and the ball is turned over, then who's stepping in? Is that a Kelly O'Hare? Is that Emily oh. Fox setting it? You know, so there's so many exactly. ways that you can solve that. Um, and it just depends on what parts of the um, field that you want to give away um, defensively, if that is the case and it does turn over and you're exposed in some it just depends. So um, exactly, exactly. And Emily Grace, Emily Grace Resser and, and Christopher Meister, they're calling us out. They're saying that that Sanchez Rose moving up the, the central channel would be terrifying. Yes. How, <laughs> yeah. How I would fall. If I was a defender, I would just lay down and like hope that yeah. something would You're happen. Like, okay, fine. You win. You win. Lori, looking at the second match for the United States against Uzbekistan, they play tomorrow, Tuesday, April 12th in Philadelphia at Subaru Park. You've given us hints and little tastes of what you want to see in the starting lineup, but does it change from what you initially gave us last week? What 11 do you want to see get the start tomorrow? Well, I definitely want to see Kingsbury, um, Aubrey Kingsbury. I would like to, I think it's important one. Um, she's been very good with the spirit um, consistently over the years. And I think um, it would be vital for the U S to get her at least mm -hmm. a game because what happens if Nair goes down, right? You don't have a ton of experience in that position and it's important to get it in these games um, that quote unquote don't matter as much. So I'd still like to see Kingsbury. I would still like to see Huerta. Um, I have her in there. I already mentioned about Dahl Kemper and um, swapping Dahl Kemper out for Cook Gurma potentially. Um, and when I think... You know, I had Dorsey in there. I still would like to see Imani Dorsey. She's been called in. Yeah. Like, let's give some of these players some Why chances, not? right? Like, there's so many games that are happening right now and thinking about managing um, players. Some some will go back and there'll be two games. Like, OL Reign specifically has a Thursday-Sunday game this coming week. So it's it's about managing some of those minutes. Um, we talked about the midfield. Sullivan, um, Christy Mewis, and Sanchez I'm going with. So I did switch out Rose in that one because we saw Rose start. <laughs> I do have a full front line switch. 
I kind of like, like and I had that last week too of Rodman on the left, Hatch and Purse. I'm sticking with it. I do not think that Vlaco is going to go with a full line change up top. Um, I think he'll ride the wave of those players doing well and giving them a um, another go and then maybe getting some of those players in later in the game for sure. But um, yeah, I'm still sticking by it. A Rodman hatch in purse. Oh, I'd love to see uh, full line swap. See how they do. I mean, build depth where you can see how these players, because the, the one thing least too, I think is important too, mm-hmm. when you have these young players to, and I, I'm sure I've said this before. So, but like, honestly, getting these players minutes and like experience and confidence at that level is huge. Like it is like just the competition level. If anybody can ever go, if practices open up again and you can go to like open training sessions with the national team, it is a whole nother level. It is like wild. And so to be able to take that back to your club team is massive for these young players confidence and then for their club teams. Um, And then that's what you want because that's ultimately where they're developing and playing the most. So your front three, I'm sorry, you want to see Rodman, Hatch, and Purse? Yeah. I'm like, okay. bring it on. I, I like that. I mix. love that. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. I think we could see a, a line swap from Vlako Andonovsky, especially because his front line got a lot of time in this first yes. match. Um, the front line, Hatch did come on for Kat Macario and Margaret Purse did come on for Sophia Smith. So Mal Pugh getting a full 90 in that first match. I don't think we'll see her get a full 90 again. So I don't mm-hmm. see Pugh starting in this second match for the United States against Uzbekistan on Tuesday. I, I want to see Rodman get minutes, right? She's been mm-hmm. called in. She didn't get time in that last game. Another player you mentioned, um, Dorsey and Naomi Gurma, and then the goalkeepers in Kingsbury and Bella Bucci not getting any time in the last match. Of course, there's only so many rotations that can happen and, and player substitutions, but you're calling these players into the camp. If it's not for an injury, let's get the minutes. Let's mm-hmm. see what they can do. Uh, and we don't know the status of that right now based on mm-hmm. the camp over the last week and, and the players' health and where they are based on that. I do want to see um, Gurma in the back line. I, mm-hmm. I would like to see her alongside Doll Camper and then maybe a rotation in with Alana Cook and see kind of how Gurma does. But I, I want to see Doll Camper and Gurma in that back line. I don't think we'll see Kelly O'Hara get a full 90 anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think she'll play and get minutes in that back line, but I agree. I want to see Huerta in that back line. I would like Dorsey to get minutes as well. I don't think Dorsey will get a start in the back line, though. Um, I want Jalen Howe to get the start in the midfield. I do. Mm. I think that it can change things. And, and for you, Lori, as a player that has been with this national team and, and played mm-hmm. professionally, is there a different mindset? or different tactics as a player that starts versus comes in off the bench? Is, are there benefits to seeing Howell get the start, Gurma get the start, uh, Hatch get the start up top as players who have typically come in off the bench? Is there a big difference? Uh, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, starting, um, well, it's an it's an honor to get the start, but also, um, you know, you're you're working your way into the game as the game is is getting set up and evolving. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think starting the game is is easier, um, depending on the opponent and what what is happening and all the um, extracurriculars outside of just the game, right? So, um, but yeah, it is a different mindset, and I think um, you know coming off the bench, whether it's for, straight from halftime or or into the game, there's a a level of like how how do you get your first touch under your belt and um, pro- build confidence within that. And, you know, it is important too, to know that like 
this looks very different because not only are you performing in terms of like the overarching as a U.S. team and like upholding what the history of this team in terms of winning and like the attacking prowess that it has, but you're vying for spots. And so right. you're making a statement for your individual self. So going out there and like doing what you can and, and performing what makes you special is important. So, yeah, I mean, listen, if, if how gets to start, it'll be, I'll be really interested too. in how she, um, cause we've seen her come off the bench, right. A lot with the U S yes. um, we're not a lot, but in her appearances. So how does she manage that? And can she be that player um, that kind of sets sets the tone for the team and, and links up? We'll see. I don't mm-hmm. typically see. I don't personally see her as that true that type of player of getting it yeah. off the back line and you know moving the ball. Um, doesn't mean she can't. So she okay. So balls. if Hal does get the start, does that send a message to Andy Sullivan? Like, hey, this this position is open and up for grabs right now. Uh, you know, like, listen, I think there's there's probably always messages and then there's not, you know. I don't yeah. see Vlatko as the type of coach that's playing, like, mind games. I think he is constantly evaluating. And I think that he, looking at this roster and these players consistently getting called in since there has been um, the statement from him being like, these um, mm-hmm. older players are going to get rested and I need to see them perform because I need to get more depth within this team. Um, that's been the message. Right. And so I think right. it just um, depends. Uh, I don't see how starting this one could be wrong. I can't wait till I see you tomorrow at the stadium. I and know. We both be like, listen, we need to have some sort of bet, but uh, either way, I'll be excited. I think it, I think it just gives you a different look, the team, a different look. It does. It does. I, I don't, I'm not sure if we'll see how start either. I agree with that. I think Andy Sullivan has earned that starting role and I think that she deserves it. Um, I'd love to hear you say that Blackwell and Oxy doesn't play mind games, or at least you hope he doesn't because that is just the worst. Yeah. I, can, I don't see that. Uh, I don't, I've heard that. I don't see and that. I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening either. So we've talked all about this and we even touched on Uzbekistan and how they came out playing a little bit of a higher line. What do you foresee Uzbekistan doing tomorrow after uh, losing 9-1? They did get on the board in a set piece opportunity in the 70th minute in the first match for the against the United States. But do you see Uzbekistan sitting back a little bit more, trying to be more defensive um, or exposing themselves a little bit, playing a higher line, um, especially if there is a different front three. It's not the the quick get in behind of Pew and Smith that we saw on Saturday. What are you expecting from Uzbekistan? Um, you know, that's curious because I don't know a mm-hmm. lot about um, their history, right? Yes. To be quite yes. frank. Um, however, you know, I, I think that they actually might try to, to play a little bit. I ultimately think, though, um, them continuing to gain experience. One thing that we have known to be true with some of these federations that are just starting to come onto the scene even more um, is that this quick turnaround will be a lot, right? So by default, they might have to sit back. And because of just um, depending on how, how deep their team is, right. And how much turnover they show in their starting lineup. Um, but I do think that they will be pinned back. And I think just a quick turnaround will, will force them to be a bit more defensive and and not be able to necessarily step out into that, um, more of attacking shape that we saw. Yes. And then I asked more questions of Andy Sullivan, if she's playing in that six role to be the one that shifts the ball from side to side and something that we were asking of her in this first match that 
didn't necessarily require that much of, but we also didn't see that much of it from Andy Sullivan in that first match to be that player to really control the pace of the play and, and mm-hmm. switch the ball from side to side and join in the attack, but also use the ball at her feet as a reset opportunity. Uh, one thing when Jalen Howell did come in in the second half, we saw her receiving the ball and she was oftentimes looking to play it longer than mm-hmm. Andy Sullivan, who often looks to connect on, on short range passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a difference between those two types of players in that six role, because that, that, I love talking about that defensive midfield role, what we can see from the different personnel and also in the center backs. Um, Mm -hmm. We are going to have to get a little bet going about something for this U.S. team tomorrow as they as they play their second friendly in Philadelphia because we'll both be there. So if anyone's there, try to say hi to us. Let us know. Um, This is this is fantastic. Before we go, we only have a few minutes left. I want to look at our chat for a second because Christopher Meister, we've called you out before. You ask a great question here to Lori. You say, hey, Lori, can you talk about when Vlako Andonofsky says his attacking five versus six? And he mentions this in some of his post-game media um, about whether the United States is attacking with five or six. This is a little formational soccer knowledge that Lori has. So we get to tap into it. Um, Lori, five versus six. Can you explain this for Christopher? Yeah. Oh, what is it? What does it mean? Like who are the front five or who, who are six Mm -hmm. when? Yeah. So if, if the way that I understand it would be the typical front five that you would think, right. Which would be the front three and then the two attacking mids. I mean, that's pretty um, apparent, but however, sometimes that could also be the front three, one of the attacking mids and also the near or far sided, depending on how the attack is building up outside back. Right. And then so typically it would be the front three, one or two, if not both of the, yes, one or two of the attacking mids, and then the weak or far-sighted um, um, outside back. Outside back. Yes. So, yeah, I depending. agree. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the exact quote that Christopher is referring to, but those are the front five versus the yeah. front six. And I think in different scenarios, Andonofsky wants to see the five versus the six. Uh, we'll see what we have tomorrow. But um, thank you, everyone, so much for joining us today. Lori, final thoughts from you as as we do this? We'll come up with our bet later. But final thoughts Yeah, we'll come you? up with our bet. And no, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. And one last thing, I should say yes. I said no. Um, I, now <laughs> that you said it, though, a second ago about, um, I don't know if there's going to be a front line change because maybe Vaiko Andonofsky is anticipating that um, Uzbekistan could be sitting back so what does it look like with that similar starting lineup and how do they deal with that is my final thought we'll see final thought we'll see who Vlakovanovsky lines up in his 11 but mainly that front three we want to see thank you everyone so much for joining us if you like this video and you dropped your social media handle in the chat without the at symbol look out for a dm from us you could be our paramount plus subscription winner follow us on twitter at attacking third for more we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and anywhere that you listen to your podcast you could subscribe to us on youtube to catch our interviews and get alerts for when we go live youtube.com slash attacking third thank you so much everyone for joining we'll be back monday for another u.s women's national team hour thank you for joining us and have a great day everyone okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.